No Gray Zone podcast is a frank and honest conversation on topics related to sexual abuse, harassment, child exploitation, and domestic and workplace violence. The opinions are our own, based on years of experience as special victims prosecutors. Any study, book, or product we mention is based on our own review and are not sponsored. Links and titles can be found in the podcast notes. You can also learn more at rightresponseconsulting.com. Listener discretion is advised. I'm just good at caring too much. I'm just good at caring too much. Is it too much to ask that you be all mine? I never was good at sharing. I'm just good at caring. Welcome back. I'm Katherine Marsh. And I'm Melissa Hotmeyer, and this is No Gray Zone Podcast. Today, we continue our series on teen dating violence, but rather than continue to bombard you with stats about the prevalence of teen dating violence in the U.S., we want to arm you with the tools to fight it. So today, we're going to focus on tips, tools, and organizations that can help you if you're a parent wanting to learn about how to teach healthy dating tips or if you're a friend looking to help a friend who is stuck in an abusive relationship, or even if you're listening and you recognize some of the things that we're talking about as being in the relationship you're in and need help. So you might be asking yourself why so many teens don't report their abuse, especially to parents. And listen, I'm a parent, my kids are still pretty young, but as a parent, we try to teach our kids that they can tell us anything and that you know we won't get mad. And that is easier in theory than it is in practice. You know, it it is hard in practice to not have a reaction when somebody tells you something that, you know, is upsetting. So, you know, some of the reasons our teens don't tell us that they're feeling ashamed or embarrassed about being stuck in this situation, that they confuse or they are confusing jealousy with love. They're afraid of getting into trouble or they're just hopeful that things will get better, that it won't ever happen again and that they can make it better. You know, that's, that's often so true, Melissa, that the person who's being abused thinks, but I can save them or I can help them. I can fix them. And at the same time, they're, they're not taking control of themselves or helping themselves because they're so focused on the abuser. And so at the risk of sounding like a broken record, the number one thing you can do is talk to your kids, talk to them about healthy relationships and what they look like and what they don't. Be open and answer questions honestly. And listen, we should be having these discussions before our kids ever even enter into the dating world. We want them to know what a healthy relationship looks like and what they should expect and demand in a relationship. Break the Cycle has a great tip sheet that comes along with questions to help get your teen talking. And we're going to put a link to Break the Cycle's tip sheet in the notes. Yeah, I really like that tip sheet. And, you know, I was looking at it again right before we did this podcast. And the best one, the one that kind of stood out to me, because we've dealt with it time and time again in our work as prosecutors, is would it be weird if someone you were dating texted you all day to ask what you were doing? Yeah, absolutely. It would be weird. But as adults, we can figure that out and say, this isn't normal. And this person, I should probably cut them loose. But as a teen, it's, it's a little different. Sue Chef has a great blog on internet safety in general. She's a national expert on internet safety. 
And she has a section on teen dating violence and digitized abuse that deals specifically with this kind of texting issues that Melissa mentioned. And it breaks down the insidious and controlling behaviors that start with texting and are often overlooked by both teens and parents. Some of the examples she gives include asking for naked pics or making demands that the person send them the naked pictures, making demands that the victim not text certain people or that they're not allowed to like or respond to certain social media posts, demands for immediate responses when the abuser is the one calling or texting, as well as cyberbullying behavior when the abuser doesn't get what they want. And, you know, we have to remember that when we're dealing with teens, a lot of times they, they deal with this in the context of how they've seen it portrayed in the media. For example, you know, we're going to take stalking. Stalking is too often presented in TV shows and movies as this ultimate display of love and affection. And that can be extremely confusing to teens if they are then put into a situation where the person that they like is stalking them or, you know, harassing them through text messages. They may see that as love or the ultimate display of love. And we have to really talk about how unhealthy that behavior is because they don't know that that's a form of teen dating violence. But if we start talking about it at an early age, we can really can save lives. I, I remember you know, when I first started prosecuting these types of cases, we had a, you know, a stalking case where a young man was sending his ex-girlfriend photographs of his slit wrist. He kept sending them over and over again, saying that she didn't get back together with him. He was going to kill himself. And, and, you know, it was a very confusing time for her because she didn't know if that just meant they were meant to be together or whether or not it was abusive, you know, and it really took her parents talking to her and me talking to her for her to realize that, you know, he needed help and that this was not a healthy relationship. You know, what you described is, I mean, it's truly just emotional blackmail. And we see that so often in teen dating violence relationships, you know, the example of I'm going to kill myself and actually sending pictures of cutting or one that I had was an individual who had demanded from their partner that they send pictures of themselves naked and that she uh, consented to him filming sexual acts between them. You know, he did it as a, if you love me, you'll let me do this so that I always have something to look at when we're not together But when she talked about getting out of the relationship, when she realized it wasn't healthy, he would blackmail her with that. Well, I'll send these pictures out. I'll do this. And, you know, she finally left and he did. He sent the pictures to her mom. And then when that still didn't get the reaction he wanted, he posted them up on Pornhub and he actually posed like he was the victim although acting like she was an adult and saying, I want to live out a rape fantasy and posted her address and an adult male actually showed up at her house wanting to answer her rape fantasy that was posted on Pornhub. I can't even imagine how terrifying that had to have been for her and her mom. Yeah, that, that is terrifying. And so as parents, we need to talk to our kids. And and really, more importantly, our teens need to know that we will listen to them and that we want to hear their opinions. We want to hear what's going on in their lives and that we will do that without judgment. Because if you do that, they are more likely to confide in you. As we say all the time, remember to educate yourself. You can do that by going to some of the resources we're posting in the notes, or you can take another listen to last week's podcast about more warning signs and stats around teen dating violence and really listen. And we, when we say that, I really mean listen. Don't talk at your kids, listen to them. 
show concern, be supportive. Remember that it is not easy for survivors to report abuse. As a parent, you want to offer your support and create a safe environment where your child can feel comfortable and feel like their decision to come forward is honored and believed and that you are going to be with them on their journey to seek help. Some really good organizations that have wonderful resources are Joyful Heart and One Love. Again, we'll link to those in the notes. They can help guide you and create this really safe environment for your kids. And Joyful Heart and One Love have amazing resources. And these tips are not just for parents. They work for friends too. They cover all age groups. So it's not just old people. And it's just really important to know that you can help. And that as a friend, you're probably the first line to catch some of these warning behaviors. One Love and Joyful Heart, they go through some of the early signs and dangers with regard to teen dating violence. It helps go through unhealthy and healthy relationships. Some of the early signs of teen dating violence to look for are isolating behaviors where the controlling person in the relationship is limiting the social contact that the victim has with anyone else. And a lot of times it's done in that way of, but I love you so much. I just want to spend time with you all the time. Or if you love me, why do you want to be with other people? You know, it never starts out in the hateful manner. It's the manipulation. So you want to look for those limited social contacts. You also want to see if your friend comes out with you, you know, are they constantly having to respond to text messages or phone calls from the person that they're dating? Do they appear nervous if they miss a text message? Things like that are signs to look for. Listen, if it doesn't seem right, you should trust your gut and talk to your friend about it. You know, does one party in the relationship really seem extremely aggressive? Do they seem to grab at your friend too hard or take them out of the room if they're seen talking to someone else? Things like that you want to mention, you want to talk about. Sometimes it's enough just to get people talking when they know they're not alone, that other people are witnessing this behavior too, and that other people will believe them. We just want to encourage you to be there for your friends. Let him or her know that you're there when they want to talk or when they're ready to talk, you know, because sometimes you may recognize the abuse or you may recognize the abusive tendencies and they may not be there yet, but they need to know that when they are ready, you'll be there for them. And when they come, when they're ready to talk to you, you need to be prepared to listen. And as Melissa mentioned earlier with the parents, friends, it's the same thing. Listen without judgment. You don't want to go straight to, well, why are you still with them? Why are you putting up with that? You need to listen to what their concerns are. And when they ask, what should I do? Or what do you think's going on? Then you provide your opinions, your answers, your suggestions, your tips. But we need to make sure it's a judgment-free zone when somebody comes seeking help. Another important tool is to use your voice and demand that your middle school or high school provide training or education on healthy relationships and teen dating violence. And if your school doesn't have one, reach out to your local prosecutors or health departments, see if they can help create a training program. Now, you have to get school permission first. You can't just show up with trainers there, but it's important to reach out. Our schools are great when it comes to stranger danger. They're great when it comes to good touch, bad touch. They're great when it comes to substance abuse and alcohol abuse, but teen dating violence often gets overlooked. So see if it's in the curriculum. Yeah, Catherine is right. This is probably one of the areas where you do not want to ask for forgiveness. You want to make sure to get permission from the school first. 
but I couldn't agree with her point more. Advocacy is so important. So you must advocate for yourself, advocate for your kids, and advocate for your friends. Listen, awareness campaigns exist for a reason. And they exist because they are effective tools, because we know that when we are better educated, when we have the information, things change and things get better. And having awareness campaigns through your school or after school programs can really help to bring this issue to light. And if you don't know where to start, organizations like Love is Respect, Joyful Heart, and One Love all have great information and programs. So they can give you ideas on how to help or even come down and provide the training if your school will let them in. And listen, we know these are tough conversations. They're uncomfortable, but we need to start a dialogue. We need to start a dialogue in our homes, with our friends, and in our community because silence perpetuates violence. So check out our notes, contact these organizations, and start a conversation. You can even start by sharing this podcast with a friend. And we can't stress enough. If there's an emergency, call 911. And if you need help, reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or visit their website at thehotline.org. Well, that's all the time we have this week. Thank you so much for joining us for No Gray Zone Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe and find us on social media, No Gray Zone RRC on Instagram or Twitter and No Gray Zone on Facebook. There are no excuses when it comes to sexual assault or not having the right response when it comes to teen dating violence. Thank you for listening. This has been a No Gray Zone podcast. I'm just good at caring.